0: This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 185. Hi, I'm one of your regular hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads. I'm here with my co-host, urban and cozy fantasy author, Scott Walker. Hey, Scott.
1: Hey Jamie, how you doing? Man, I loved I loved that little intro. You changed my um my my prefix on my author title. I love that.
0: Well, hey, you know you got the new cozy thing you're working on. What's going on with that?
1: Uh, well, as a matter of fact, I have. I mean, as of the recording for this particular episode, um, I'm about six days, five days away from doing a kickoff call with the interested authors. I'm still keeping things under wraps, but very excited about that. And technically, I do have a cozy novella out, so. Your edit is warranted, I suppose.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and if people haven't picked it up, they definitely should. It is is amazing and a lot of fun and definitely checks all the boxes for a cozy urban fantasy.
1: I I mean, I like to think so. The reviews seem to be good, so I'm going to go with that. What have you been working on, my friend?
0: Um, I have been hard at work writing uh, the second book in a new urban fantasy series that I'm working on. It's going to I'm going to launch the first three books via Kickstarter as a pre-launch this summer. So uh, I've got book one done. I'm working on book two now. I'll have book three finished before the Kickstarter. So people will be getting their books pretty quickly after the Kickstarter is finished, those that get in. And then it will not launch on Amazon until next year. So people people want to get in early will be able to get access to it and i'm excited about that it's been a lot of fun it's almost writing itself the characters just speak to me
1: Well, having read book one already, you you shared an early copy with me. I am not surprised to hear that. It is a quintessential Jamie Davis book. It's going to be awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Someday we're going to have to delve into what that exactly means. But uh, I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. Um, Why don't we get into this week's episode, guest, because I'm really excited to get into this. Um, Do you want to read Siobhan's bio?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll take it. No worries. Um, S.W. Clark lives in Washington, D.C. with her partner and two identical but unrelated cats. And yes, they judge her every day. She writes to inhabit the lives of the smartest, bravest women her brain can conjure and is one of the most amazing authors participating in the duo shared universe. All right, without further ado, let's jump into our interview with S.W. Clark, or as we know her, Siobhan. All right. Today, we're going to be talking with Siobhan Clark. Siobhan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to stop by. Uh, Give us a quick intro. Tell us about what kind of books you write and maybe even a little bit about how you wound up being a writer.
2: Hi. um, Thanks so much for having me. It's really an honor. This is my first podcast that I've done. Um, So my name is Siobhan Clark. Um, I write as S.W. Clark, those are my first two initials, as you could probably guess. Um, and I have written three series of urban fantasy books. Um, and I'm currently about to release the first book in the next series, which features an assassin duo. Um, I live in Washington, DC with my partner and two identical cats.
0: I should have started with those. No, that's okay. The the two <laughs> identical cats intrigues me. Like are they are they really identical like like identical twins or you just they look alike?
2: Uh they actually are completely unrelated. Um both of them were found um many years apart. They were, they were both homeless cats. Um but they're both I guess they're called tabbies. Um and and people always ask if they're siblings, but Um, No, (laughs) not at all, but it's really awesome having identical cats for that reason.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Well, you mentioned assassins, um, and clearly your upcoming book uh, that you talked about is in the Delta Underground Operatives Shared World. So I'm going to give a little bit of an intro in case any of the listeners aren't familiar with the duo world. The agents of Delta Underground Operatives have one critical mission, keep magic secret. Humans are not ready to know that the creatures from their dreams are real. They're even less prepared to fight the monsters from their nightmares. When the gods are killed, Alder Shaw, the sole surviving demigod, established duo to protect the status quo, solve the mystery of the gods' fates, and safeguard the puddle, the last reservoir of divine magic. Aided by twin witches Maven and Moxie, Shaw paired up beings of magic, who resonated with each other in tandem with the puddle. These individuals now enjoy access to a second set of abilities, making them tough to beat. These beings are the agents of duo and the following are the case files of duo agents came and Veda.
0: So Siobhan for our first question is, do we pronounce his
2: name? Right? Yes. That's how I pronounce it. Okay. Kame. Awesome. <laughs> awesome.
0: So I wasn't sure because it looks like sometimes some of those names that look kind of Celtic or Gaelic have an odd pronunciation that, that isn't immediately um, discernible from the way it's spelled. So I wanted to ask that. The other thing is, what inspired you to get into the duo's world, What to join this community of authors that decided to put this whole shared universe together?
2: Well, I think that, you know, at first I was invited by my dear friend, Jen Mitchell, and I love her so much. And so, of course, I wanted to be part of something that she was part of. Um, and then, you know, once I met you all, I felt, um, one, completely intrigued by the premise of the world because I'd never written Assassins um, and I'd never tried dual POV. And and working with a group of authors was also something that I had never done. Um, and so I just loved the idea of us all sort of working collaboratively, learning from each other, growing with each other, which I feel like I have done in many ways. Um, So, yeah, I I was very excited and continue to be excited to be part of this. And just before Scott
0: jumps in with the next question, dual POV means two-person point of view. So two different people's back and forth point of view, correct? Right, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of readers listening that may not know what that means. So we want to make sure they understand that's what dual POV is.
1: Indeed, and in fact, this is my first dual POV book. Uh, my dual book is the, is the same thing. I had that same challenge as well, Siobhan. Uh, it didn't stop me from saying yes, and I'm very happy about it. Very excited about it. Um, and then, speaking of books, tell us a little bit about what yours is. Every author kind of brought their own tone and their own take to this shared world. Tell us what makes yours a little bit different, and how you brought your own unique author, authorial voice to this.
2: Um, so i I would say. Um, you know, people who've read my books say that I have a lot of heart in my books. Um, and so, um, you know, compared to some of the books that I uh, people have written in this group, I feel like mine might be simultaneously darker, um, also much more focused on um, what's going on inside the characters a lot of the time and um, overcoming their individual issues. Um, but also there's a lot of... Um, desire and hopefulness, um, in each of my characters. Um, so yeah, I would say that's one of the things that sort of is a hallmark of my books.
0: That's a perfect lead into my question, which is introduce us to your characters. Like who, who are Kame and Veda? Uh,
2: so Came is a fallen angel and uh, Veda is a blind psychic. Um and they are I, I originally wrote them to be essentially foils of each other. So he's kind of dark and grumpy, and she is um she's not chipper or bubbly, but she is certainly she hasn't got the darkness that he has. She's comparatively lighter.
1: So um at your novel, it's called Whisper and Blade, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So who which one's Whisper and which one's Blade?
2: Uh she's the Whisper. Um, and he's the blade um and so the the idea behind that is that she she hears whispers um because she's a psychic, so she hears people's thoughts um and she also is sort of the shot caller when they're on missions, and he wields a blade, but also he's the one who does the killing usually
1: got it, got it so um the the two you kind of set them up to be automatically opposing did you do a ton of research? Like what are the origins of these two characters? Maybe how did they wind up at duo to begin with? And um, how much of this did you discover as you were writing and how much of it in terms of like background did you prepare before you started writing?
2: Um, I actually prepared very little before I started writing. I really liked the discovery process. So I I picked a race, um, you know, for each of them. Or a species, um, and, and then their abilities, their powers. Um, and so, you know, K, I I I imagined that he had been fallen for a long time, which l- lent a lot of jadedness to his character. And then Veda, I, I wanted to make her past a mystery. And so I gave her amnesia. And she, um, two years before the start of the novel, uh, wakes up at the duo headquarters, not knowing who she is or her background. And and that's part of the discovery of the book and which I discovered along the way. Awesome. I love that.
0: And, and I'm going off script a little bit here, but that discovery process I think is, is so important to the way I write. And it sounds like the way you write. And, and I often find that I feel like if I surprise myself, then I probably am going to surprise the reader too.
2: I feel exactly that way. And I think for me, it's one of the greatest joys of writing is when you, you don't know what's going to come out of you. And then you're surprised, delighted, maybe you're tearful, but um, you feel emotion so strongly. I find that I do when I write um, in that way. So, Kame
0: and Veda are your, your heroes in this story but there has to be a bad guy. There's always a villain, bad woman, bad person, whatever. Um, so what is it about them that makes them the kind of evil that is worth sending assassins after? I mean, that's a pretty dire thing to do to, to say, uh, we can't just catch them and stop them. We have to assassinate them. What is it that that makes this person so evil that that is the necessity?
2: Um, so, Traditionally, my characters hunt um, necromancers. They're pretty good at that. They've done quite a lot of that. Um, And they've been doing it for two years. And then when the novel starts, they are on a mission, they think, to kill a necromancer or take down a necromancer um, who are, you know, traditionally, um, they tend to do bad things. Um, And so they've been focusing on the ones who are, you know, violating the rules of our world, of the duo world. Um, which is not to reveal it, the magical aspects of it to um, non-magical uh, people. Um, but on this particular mission, they come across something particularly heinous, which is um, something that Scott has um, introduced in his book. I got a chance to read his book and I asked him if I could use this concept because I loved it so much. And it's this concept of almost deads, which are um, basically people's souls. Have, People whose souls have been almost Scott, maybe you can help me describe this. Effectively, they have been almost killed, but they're right on the edge of death and they're kept that way indefinitely. Do you think that's an accurate description?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly okay. it.
2: Yeah. And so they come across this like hive of almost deads, which is um really awful. Um, it's torturous. It's about the worst thing you can do to someone. And um It's it's on it's when they discover this hive that um, they also discover that this this is a death dealer who's done this, um, which is a particularly bad necromancer. And this death dealer is, in fact, um, connected to Veda um, and they have to hunt this death dealer down because Veda is effectively enslaved. Um, the death dealer has uh, his or her, we don't know, tattoo on the back of Veda's um, head.
1: Yeah. So the uh, that whole death dealer thing, this is one of the advantages, I think, and one of the joys authors have when they write in a shared world where they're able to not just brainstorm and ping pong ideas off fellow authors for their own books, but when you're working in a shared world, you have the advantage of of kind of grabbing uh borrowing toys from each other um and so i loved when when you picked up on that and reached out to me and said hey i i, lo- I like what you have in your book is it okay if i put it in mine um yeah uh, of course and like in working with you i kind of refined what that looked like and i feel for the readers who go through the series a lot of those easter eggs are going to crop up where they're going to see characters referenced in other authors books they're going to see the same locations the same npc type characters showing up and the same concepts like this, which is amazing. Um, I know for me, that's one of the things I enjoyed about working with uh, other authors in this group. How's how's your experience been so far working in a shared world since this is your first time doing that?
2: Uh, it's been incredibly um, educational and inspiring. Um, I mean, I was not you know, Facebook friends with y'all before this. And I have to say, seeing Scott, your daily mug of coffee, um, and then Jamie, your donut, which I love working in coffee shops. I love donuts uh, both. And so seeing, and I love coffee. And so seeing, um, you know, those sorts of things, That's that dedication, that consistency is very inspiring for me because fundamentally it all just comes down to that as a writer is is returning to the desk or the table or whatever it may be. Um, And when you have people around you who are, are doing this regularly, it is so motivating. So that would probably be the biggest thing for me.
0: Yeah, it's funny, I went, we went, I went to an author's conference with which I'm, I, you know, a lot of people go to back in Vegas back in November, um, which I think, Scott, you were there
2: and Siobhan, you were there. Yes. I actually, I've been to that one in, before, but, but not had, that
0: didn't go this yeah. this past time. Okay, that's that's right. Um, but um, somebody actually said to me that I needed to get T shirts made that say dad jokes and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> agreed, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> so take my uh, money because <laughs> everybody I talk to, if they are Facebook friends of mine, they always mention the donuts, and, and so it's it's a thing I do where I frequently post when I'm writing at the coffee shop and my donut is right there as my incentive to get my words done.
2: So when did you start that, pro- that process or that incentive? I think what Scott, it was about maybe a year ago.
1: I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it was, was not, was- it wasn't long after you and I joined that the weekly call. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah it was, it was one of those things that, um, I had to reinvent my writing process several times during the pandemic. It just I would it would work for me for a while and then it wouldn't work. And when things opened up again, I just needed to get out of the house and be around people. I'm very much an extrovert, so I really feed off just having people nearby. I don't have to interact with them, but just having that energy there is important for me. And going to the coffee shop was a thing. And there were these donuts, chocolate donuts with sprinkles on them. Right there next to the register, like the impulse buy thing. So, you know, I get my hot chocolate because I don't do coffee, but I get my hot chocolate, I get my breakfast bagel, and I'm like, oh, I'll have a donut too. And then when I took that first picture, everybody focused on the donut in the background of the picture. I mean, it wasn't even like next to the laptop, it was behind the laptop, but everybody's like, wait, that's a donut.
2: (laughs) It feels so special, especially because it's in a case. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep
0: it''s, it's, <laughs> it's in a, around I it's think in a that's little clamshe a little clear plastic clamshell yeah ah. yeah that's funny and and it's 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 one of the things that is that is interesting for me about working with other writers is all the things that we all bring to the table, and you know we each have our own like things that we do that some of sometimes you can borrow some ideas, borrow for your book, borrow for your process. And I'm curious, you know, now that you've been working with, heck, it's been almost a year now we've been doing this process to get this shared world out. What's it been like working alongside these authors in the background? Like, what what are our group calls like for you?
2: Um, I mean, I think that one of the one of the wonderful things about being on a Zoom call with a bunch of writers is that there's this binding force that doesn't exist if you're, say, on a work call, right? You're all there because you work for the same company. Whereas when you're on with writers, um, these group calls for me have been um, also very motivating and inspiring um, because you're watching people hash things out um, in terms of the world that we're all writing in. Um, We're figuring out the path forward and we're coming up with ideas. I think that's been one of the most um, wonderful things about the calls is the generative moments um, when we decide on the rules of the world and um, the majestic, which is the the safe house hotel and all of those things then become part of your mental model as you write. And and I love that that's shared.
1: Totally, I I totally agree. before we get too far down the road, tell us about um, how you would pitch or frame this book. I don't know how many you're planning on writing in the Delta World, Duo World, but how would you pitch or frame this book compared to your previous works? If you were to explain this or pitch it to someone who's not familiar with this world or this series, maybe they know your other books. How does it compare to your other existing novels?
2: Um, so I would say that there's There's one sort of fundamental hallmark thing that's true um, in all my books, which is I write um, heroines. Um, This is dual POV, yes, but um, one of the things that I do focus on with both of these characters is writing main characters who have troubled pasts um, and who are um, dealing with those pasts as they embark on the events, um, the story in this series. Um, of course, yes, there is a lot of heart uh, as well, um, but I think one of the the really interesting things that happened with this was, this was my first time writing uh, male POV, um, and writing characters who are bouncing off each other. Um, so readers would get that, that familiar sense of characters who are working through what's going on inside them, um, but at the same time, there's sort of a fun flavor to it that hadn't existed before.
0: That's awesome. I, I really like the um, the way that you work in the pasts of these characters because I think that that type of background, that backstory, is so important to understanding their motivations.
2: Yeah, um, to me, that feels like um, everything um, in in books is you know exploring the complexities of what's going on inside someone's mind, but then coupling that with suddenly I can. Launch a fireball at someone, um, that discovery of how you, your life changes when you gain power, um, or when you learn how to wield power in different ways, um, and how that affects how you feel about yourself and how you feel about the world.
0: Well. It- since I have the power now, I can actually wield the power <laughs> to start the no wrong answers portion of our podcast. This is our rapid fire questions where we give you five questions. There are no wrong answers. Um, just give the first thing that pops into your head when we when we run through the questions here. And we'll see what um, that matches up to maybe some readers out there like, oh, that's cool. I, I like that too. So we'll, um, okay. we'll get you in there. And um, I get the first one. So here we go. If you could have an unlimited supply of one thing what would it be? Time.
1: If you could snap your fingers and learn a language, which one would it be?
2: Chinese. Favorite book growing up? The Last Unicorn.
1: What famous person would you want to have dinner with?
2: John Steinbeck. Wow. Your first concert was? A classical concert when I was eight years old. My best friend's grandmother took us.
1: Nicely done, John Steinbeck too. Didn't see that coming.
2: He's my favorite.
0: That's that's so awesome. The slip in the deep author reference there. I was (laughs) like, wow, okay.
2: East of Eden is is just the most incredible book I've ever read, and I I just recommend it to everybody I can.
0: Very cool.
1: Very, very cool. All right. So Whisper and Blade, due out soon. Um, How can they uh, find that book and how can they find you online, Siobhan?
2: Um, So the book is up for pre-order on Amazon currently. And so if you look up Whisper and Blade or SW Clark on Amazon, you can find it there. And um, you can also look me up at SWClark.com.
1: Fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us today. Jamie, any last words here before we say goodbye to Siobhan?
0: No, I'm just, I'm so glad Siobhan's here. And um, by the time we recorded this, um, this actually comes out right before your book is launching. So it'll be a little bit early for some folks to pre-order, but some folks may be listening to this and it's already out, which is so awesome.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun.
1: Ditto. Ditto.
0: Well, Scott, chatting with Siobhan was so much fun. Uh, I can't wait to read her book from the Duo Universe, and it's going to be out soon after the release of this podcast episode. And, of course, we'll have links to her books and everything we talked about in the show notes in this episode over at jamiedavisbooks.com. Again, you just go over there, and right on the right-hand side is a link to the podcast page, so you can't miss it. Um, Scott, why don't you share with listeners how they can get in touch with you and follow what you're up to?
1: Uh, Well... They can, they can, if they follow me on social media already, they already know that I'm working hard on book six, which is the last book in my little yokai yeah. Japanese urban fantasy series. Um, I'm posting about that all the, all the time, because I'm very excited about getting that book out and finishing up that series for readers. Everyone else who hasn't heard about that or isn't following me on social media, uh, hit me up at scottiswriting.com or Scott is writing on all the social media platforms. How about you?
0: Well, you can find me at jamiedavisbooks.com or on my Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group. And you make sure you check out the podcast and subscribe to the show over at jamiedavisbooks.com. If you actually go to any of the episode pages, there is a link to subscribe using your favorite mobile device right there below every podcast episode audio player. So I hope you'll do that. And that way you'll make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Um, Until next time, I'm Jamie
1: Davis. And I'm Scott Walker telling you to keep on reading and keep listening here to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast.